every single time somebody would ask me to mention them, I'd be like, I, I was like, wow, I can't believe somebody wants me to mention them. I was flattered. And then I would mention them and they wouldn't apply a single piece of advice <laughs> to the exact opposite. And I noticed that I was wasting my time on a huge number of people. And the Lord started convicting me, Peter, you do not steward your life very well. And you need to be way more picky. You need to make people jump through hoops more. And at first I thought that was just being mean. Um, and yet actually that's, that's good stewardship. This is the L3 Leadership Podcast, episode number 203. What's up everyone and welcome to another episode of the L3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Doug Smith and I am your host. I hope you're doing well. In today's episode, you'll hear our lightning round interview with rave DJ turned pastor Peter Haas. If you're unfamiliar with Peter, he is the lead pastor of Substance Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, one of the fastest growing and most youthful churches in the U.S. He's also on the lead team of The Ark, the Association of Related Churches. He's written two books, both of which I highly recommend, Pharisectomy and Broken Escalators, and he's just an incredible leader. In this specific interview, you'll hear Peter answer all of our lightning round questions, and you'll hear him share a ton of incredibly useful advice for mentors and leaders looking to be mentored. So if that is an, uh, a subject that interests you, you have to listen to this episode. Again, you can go back and listen to part one of our interview in episode number 202. And in that episode, you'll hear Peter talk about his books, his journey to faith, his advice to church planners and pastors, and so much more. Both of these episodes are absolutely incredible, so make sure you listen to both of them all the way through, and uh, I can promise you you're just going to love Peter and take so much away. But before we dive into the lightning round, just a quick announcement. If you are in ministry, you're a church leader or a church member, then I want to let you know about an event that you will not want to miss. My friends at Amplified Church and their leader, Lee Kreitzer, are hosting their annual Future Forward Conference here in Pittsburgh, October 2nd and 3rd. This year, they're going to be having Carrie Newhoff as the keynote speaker. And if you don't know Carrie, you need to. I had the honor and privilege of interviewing him for this podcast in episode number 134. So if you want a taste of Carrie's content, make sure you go back and listen to that. But uh, I can't encourage you enough to get to this conference. To learn more about the conference and to register you and your team, go to futureforwardchurches.com. With that being said, enjoy the interview, and I'll be back at the end with a few announcements. Um, with the time that we have left, I want to dive into what I call the lightning round, just a bunch of fun, short, quick questions that I love to ask leaders. And so let's just dive right in. First it would be, what is one belief or behavior that's changed your life? Uh, coming right back to the book, it's, it's that promotion will make my life simpler. It just, it, it, it doesn't. There's no, I, I put it this way. It, life is like a juggling act where, um, you're, you're, you're juggling, if your life, imagine if every sector of your life represented a different, or every ball represented a different sector of your life. You have a marriage ball, you have a parenting ball, and you have a career, and you're juggling these balls. Well, I believe that, that careers, jobs, things like that are rubber balls, but marriage and kids, those are glass balls. Mm. You, can, you can drop them and maybe you can get away with it, kind of like that time you dropped your phone and it didn't break. But inevitably, if you don't have a case and you, you keep dropping things, it's going to crack. And um, I, I, I really, I, I've noticed that every single time in my life that I've prioritized my vocation over my marriage or my family, um, I have regrets because it, it's, it's easy to underestimate how valuable those things are. As people age, um, careers are not the thing that 
they think about. They think about their grandkids. They think about their families. And so I'm always like, hey, listen, your careers will always bounce back. If you have to prioritize anything, make sure it's loving on your kids. And every year that I get older, I have never regretted spending more time with my kids, even if that meant, yeah, I lost, I lost the heart of that staff member. I, that staff member left because I didn't put enough time in them. I can live with that regret, but I couldn't live with the regret of my kid not wanting to be with me or my wife not wanting to be with me. And so it's make sure that you keep your priorities straight um, when it comes to family, because at the end of the day, nobody lays on their deathbed and wishes they spent another time at the office. That, that, that's not the, the thing that really matters. If you could put a, a quote on a billboard for everyone to read, what would it say? Oh, man, that's, that's a hard one. Maybe because I'm a perfectionist. Uh, I would probably say something deep and existential like, you know, doesn't it seem strange we all exist? And then we get mysterious. <laughs> just came up to ask deep questions about God. Actually, you know what? That would be a waste of money. I would, one of my favorite quotations is, is this. This is what I'd put on the billboard. Pain that is not transformed is transmitted. Hmm. And then I'd put our church website on it. Pain that is not transformed is transmitted. I, I just, Talk I don't about know, that. Maybe, maybe it's that on social media or on the news, we just live in a world where everybody is transmitting their pain. Nothing ever alleviates the pain. And because I know that there's no circumstance that's going to satisfy us, no, pol- no politician will ever satisfy us, no, nothing. Um, at the end of the day, we need to focus on things that transmit or that transform pain, not transmit it. And so me posting a snarky thing on social media, it's not the answer. Um, you know, it, it's just getting us jumpstarting our culture out of this, this finger pointing culture. It's the most dysfunctional diseased thing that I think Americans deal with nowadays. It's, it's, it's this reactivity finger pointing. Um, at the end of the day, we just need to we need to focus on things that truly change us, not that just make us feel good for a second. Can you talk about that? How do you do that as a leader in the culture we live in? And then how do you even lead the people that you have influence over uh, to be light in the world instead of pointing fingers or doing things that aren't actually transformative? Well, you know, I think a lot of uh, a lot of the things that we, especially in the church, that we do under the pretense of truth. Um, are actually killing people. You can oppress people with truth or you can uplift people with truth. And the, the difference between the two, it may sound like semantics, but I think we've all been to, I, I think we've all heard podcasts that oppressed us versus that uplifted us or preachers that oppressed us versus uplifted us, political uh, dialogues that oppressed us rather than uplifted us. And I, I, I come back to that, that, Scripture in James 3.17, wisdom from heaven. It's, it's pure, it's peace-loving, it's submissive, it's you know impartial, it's sincere. I think that if we literally scrutinized every post on social media through James 3.17, is it submissive? Is it sincere? Is it impartial? Um, is it peace-loving? Um, I actually think that a lot of what we say and do is actually wisdom from hell. We may be right, but it's dead right. Wow. Being right does not make us in sync with God. Um, it, 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 so uh, unfortunately, I think that's, 
that that's what a lot of, of of people miss is they're right, but they're dead right. They're oppressively right, and so they're transmitting pain rather than transforming it. And so, I'm always I'm always encouraging. Like you mentioned, my books have a lot of humor in them. Um, part of the reason why, so I, I actually wrote those books without humor, and they were awful. And I realized I was oppressing people with truth. And, and so then I thought, what if I wrote stand-up comedy books and infused them with, with wisdom from heaven hmm. and just have people laugh their way um, into life change? And that actually was a very, very round um, switch for me when I started doing that because uh, I realized that joy is it's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's actually one of the signs. It's one of the ways that... that it's it's a part of kingdom culture. If if everything we do does not have an ounce of joy in it, then I actually believe that we're missing the spirit of God. And so I'm always encouraging our staff to uh, make sure that everything you say on social media is filled with joy. That it's it, it, it fulfills James three seventeen. It's it's peace loving. Uh, because other, otherwise, we're not actually perpetuating kingdom culture. We're actually perpetuating hell culture. And it may be right, but it's still wisdom from hell versus heaven. And, and I know that may sound like, again, semantics, but that's actually why I wrote Pharisectomy is to kind of help put a finger on things we think are kingdom culture, but they're actually not. Hmm. Uh, on a totally different note, what's the best purchase you've made in the last year for a hundred dollars or less? Best, best purchase I've made. Let's go. For uh, you know, you know what it is. This is gonna, this is gonna sound totally random, but I, I recently, uh, you know, uh, Target Corporation is trying to compete with Amazon, and of course, I live in Minneapolis. Um, in fact, actually, so our our downtown campus is right next to Target headquarters, and. Um, so we have a lot of target execs. And, uh, so I, I ended up, you know, they're, they're trying to do this free shipping thing, uh, to compete with Amazon. And I, for a hundred bucks a year, I signed up for their, the target program called shipped and, uh, they deliver all of my groceries all year long, wow. like immediately. So like I literally, every time when anything that's in a target store, I literally just log online and, and just, do it and they deliver it to my house in an hour. And, you know, it's not free. It's a hundred bucks a year, but I keep thinking, you know, and as long as you're, you know, I, I think my groceries, like it's so weird having them come and bring everything. So every time I forget something, which is like all the time, I literally, it's the coolest thing ever. I just, I can't <laughs> that, that random thing I forget, somebody will just show up at my door immediately with it. It's, it's totally worth the hundred bucks. I didn't know they were doing that. I'll have to check it out. I will yeah. include a link to Target shipped on the in the show notes. So yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Let's get them some more customers. Yeah. Uh, and, um, when you meet, uh, oh, okay. Other than your own, what books do you find yourself giving away most often, or that have impacted you the greatest? <laughs> other than your own, I know. That's so, I gotta beat you the chase. Yeah, I know. I hate that. That's that's true. You know what's funny is is I so I make when it comes to whenever I'm teaching my staff how to preach, um, I force all of them to read the book Made to Stick by uh, Chip and Dan Heath. It's like my it's altered the way I preach and write books. So Made to Stick. Um, I think uh, one of the books that, uh, like for spiritual growth, I just finished Mark Batterson's book, Whisper. I just, I love Mark. 
he's a friend of mine and it's just a great devotional book. He's a great writer. Uh, from a, from a leadership standpoint, I just finished reading, um, creativity Inc by Ed Catmull. And, uh, so creativity Inc, it's the story of Pixar and, but really it's all about how to manage people, um, creatively. And maybe, maybe it's because, you know, so we just produced, um, this congregational worship album called Substance IO. It's kind of the substance version of Hillsong Young and Free. And, and then we just did a mainstream release. Substance Variant is our electronic dance music album. And, you know, when you're managing all these creatives and we're doing these music videos for it, um, you know, it's really hard to uh, force people to go back to the drawing table when they've spent hours and hours and hours editing. Um, I always feel like a jerk forcing them to go back and redo it. And, uh, and so Creativity Inc., it was, how, how they, it was all about how they just scrapped Toy Story, even after they, the movie Toy Story, after they had spent millions of dollars on it. It was actually, it was very encouraging because, you know, I, I, it, whenever we're working on highly collaborative projects, especially in the church, you're always um, slowly allowing quality to decrease uh, to, in order to have this collaborative process occur. And, and so the book is really all about how do you, how do you really produce high level stuff creatively uh, without lowering your, your standards and how do you manage in that tension? So that, that book, I'm just, I'm loving it right now. Ed Catmull. If you listen to podcasts, what are one or two of your top favorites right now? Uh, gosh, it's always changing. Uh, I think uh, my favorite podcasts, you know, I love, I love Brian Houston, uh, leadership podcast. He's just, in, just to hear him say, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I just, uh, they just think on another level. Um, I've, I obviously love uh, Craig Rochelle's leadership podcast or Carrie Newhoff always has fresh stuff. And so, um, and of course my friend, Matt Keller, I got to give a shout out to him. So, um, you know, so those are, those are the podcasts that are kind of fresh in my mind right now. Yeah. I saw that you recently got to spend time with Chris Hodges and you get to spend time with a lot of great leaders. I'm just curious when you get an opportunity to, to sit down with a great leader, do you have one or two questions that you always ask them? Uh, yeah, I, in fact, actually just even before I ask questions, I, I always encourage everybody. I actually have a mentoring budget. I'm always looking for people that are um, better than me at what they do, uh, that do the same thing as me, but are way better at it. And uh, I, I think my favorite questions to ask them are, are, are uh, actually twofold. What are, you, what are you failing at right now? And because uh, it's, it's always fun to hear great leaders fail because it makes me feel better about <laughs> it. But but it's also because, you know, success is a terrible teacher. It, you know, uh, fail, you always learn more through failures. And so I love hearing about what are the risks you're taking that and, and what are working and what are not working. But then, like, what are you dreaming about right now? You know, like what? Because when people tell you their dreams, it really reveals a lot about them. And, and there's a lot of leaders with some unique dreams. And it's fun. It's fun to hear what, what are people dreaming about? Because you know, it also gives me a little bit of a key to their passion. I love to, pe I love to ask people that, that work for me that question. Uh, so what are, what are your dreams? But especially people like Chris Hodges, you know, what are you failing at? What, what, what's working with multi-site? What's working with everything? And, and he's such a, an amazing big brother in, in the faith for me. And every time I'm around him, my brain just explodes. 
So if I could just apply 10% of what he tells me, oh my gosh, watch out world. So I'll just say that right back at you. What are you dreaming about right now? Oh, what my, this is going to sound really funny, but, um, you know, having come out of nightclubs, I, so as a, as a mega church pastor, I actually believe that the single biggest competitor to the average American mega church is a mega nightclub. Um, I was through Las Vegas recently and, you know, just watching thousands of people line up to go to these nightclubs in every major city around the world. There are, there are hundreds of thousands of people that are paying astronomical quantities of money to have a subpar worship experience with a DJ. And uh, I, it, it sounds really funny, but um, so I, I'm dreaming about, so when we're, we're doing this, this substance variant, this mainstream stream electronic dance music project, um, I really want to go back into the clubs. I, I recently saw, um, I was reading the Forbes 100 entertainers, and so many of them are, are these DJ producers mm. and they're good, but I like, there's this part of me that's like, we could take them, Let's we go. could take them, you know? And so w- especially with our, you know, substance variant project, I, I really want to go, the, the church knows so little about club culture, which is sad because um, that's where most young people are going. And if we don't, if we don't understand club culture, we won't be able to reach reach it. And uh, it, it blows my mind that of the top 20 best selling albums in the last two decades, vast majority of them are rap, R&B, and uh, electronic dance music. And yet churches do not have a single song in their set list from any of those cultures. It's like we, we, we call ourselves contemporary and yet yeah. we're outdated by like 15 years still. And so I'm dreaming about, um, retooling the way the church thinks about worship, thinks about worship music, thinks about um, club culture so that we can actually be effective with this next generation. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking maybe a little out of the box, even more than most pastors are even thinking, but um, the, the cultural disparity is bigger than it's ever been. And, and I want to close that gap. Do you have a, I'm just curious, do you have a DJ name? Are you DJ? Uh, one? No. What was your name back in the day? I, okay. So uh, I, before I was a Christian, it was Euphoric, U4IC. And after I became a Christian, I changed my DJ name to, to uh, Peter Perihelion, which sounds kind of funny. Uh, now, now everything has always been uh, substance variant. So variant. Uh, so now we have, like a, we have a DJ ministry in our church where, where all these DJs can, can bring their turntables into our foyer and spin. And so now I'm kind of handpicking uh, some of the best and the best. So what, with Substance Variant, we're actually putting together, it's a DJ team and we tour with a video wall and we can control the video wall through our turntables. And so it's, it's fun. So Substance Variant is the, the moniker that I'll, I'll do remixes under. And so, you know, from YouTube to, you know, our next project so it's it's variant now is the is the newest moniker so watch out maybe we'll change it again but probably not yeah are you, are you gonna have time i know we're, we're over already do you have time for a few, you have time for a few more yeah yeah let's do okay. it great um so as a leader what's your most worthwhile investment of time and money outside of your family uh right now ah uh, most worthwhile investment of time and money. Well, people are always the most worthwhile time 
an investment, I'm always thinking about who are the up and comers in our organization and what do I need to do to log more hours with them? Mm. And just being more uh, disciplined and intentional about um, spending time with people. I, I, I realize that there's a lot of things and experiences in my brain that haven't been transmitted. Um, like even organizationally, if I, to use the football metaphor, if I'm the head coach and I've got these young quarterbacks coming up um, and there's a 400 page playbook, you know, in most NFL teams. And uh, that's a lot of plays to memorize. And so when you have an injured quarterback or you have to get a new quarterback, that quarterback has to learn a lot of plays in a very short window of time. And I, I'm, I'm realizing that one of my failures in the past with leaders is that I would train only one quarterback, all 400 plays. Wow. And if that quarterback leaves, then, then I have to start from scratch. And so um, I, I, the, one of my rules is I never want only, I never want any ministry to be led by a singular personality, a singular quarterback. I always want to make sure that every ministry has at least three quarterbacks that know the whole playbook. Hmm. And, and so um, in order to do that, I've got to be able to, um, first off, articulate all 400 plays, the playbook, all of my values. I've got to be able to articulate it. I've got to be able to curate it independently of an individual and I've always got to make sure that I'm training that to groups. And so um, for me to be able to log hours, just be getting groups of people together for me to teach them, this is how I preach. Um, this is how I lead. This is how I, right now, I'm, I'm teaching people on how I write music and how I produce music, working with a team of people. And kind of this, these are the nuances of how I think when I'm producing music or how I think about graphic designing and so just making sure that our team is always um, scaling, that they're always learning plays. And, and so when we lose a person who, you know, God sends to a different church or, or a different organization, um, it's never as big of a deal as it used to be because um, I'm always spending time with a group of people who are understanding the playbook. So that's kind of the, I, I know that was kind of a lengthy answer, but so good. investing in, the playbook and in training people that playbook. Do you have any unusual habits that allow you to be effective? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, uh, I I'm constantly trying to hang around big thinkers and I have a budget to do it. Um, uh, there's, there, there's these three questions I'm constantly asking in my head, probably every three months. And it's, um, what are my dreams? Who is living out my dreams? And what am I doing to earn the right to be around those people? Wow. Uh, or, to, or to reframe it a different way. What are my problems? Who has successfully navigated my problems? And what am I doing to earn the right to get around those people? And I, I the, the first two are kind of self-explanatory, but the third one, what am I doing to earn the right? I, I've realized nobody... Um, nobody is entitled to mentoring and sometimes people approach mentoring that way. But I actually believe that the greatest mentors are always a little too busy to mentor. And uh, it's the people that have all this time that those are the people you don't want to mentor you. There's a reason why they have all the time on their hands. It's the people that are busy uh, that you really want to get around. And so I'm always asking the question, what, what can I do to earn the right to be around those people? And so I'm always, um, 
big thinkers, I'm always um, asking, what can I take off your plate? What can I do to help you uh, fulfill the vision God has given you? Um, part of the reason why I'm always asking great leaders what are their dreams is because if I can help them reach their dreams, uh, I, it's more often to reciprocate. Or um, you always reap what you sow. If you're mentoring other people, you're more likely to get access to greater mentors. Um, and so I, I'm always trying to get around uh, big thinkers, great thinkers. But one of the ways that I help identify those people are what are my dreams? Who's living them out? And what am I doing to get around them? Because if I'm not doing those things, then because uh, the truth is, I don't even know what I don't know. And um, so, like, I had the opportunity to hang out with Brian Houston uh, a while back. And so just, you know, if I got to spend money on getting on an airplane, getting to a place where I could have a meal with him to hear how he thinks about music and about, you know, Hillsong in the early days. Because, you know, someday I have a dream of, of being like a Hillsong with music that's all over the world. And um, so I've got to get around him and that's going to cost me money. And I don't, he, Brian Houston doesn't owe me in anything. And so what can I do to just, you know, love on the people he loves? And I, same thing with Chris Hodges. What can I do to love on, the, you know, right now, Chris's big passion is building Highlands College. And so if I got to, if I got to love on Highlands College and preach there free to the students there, then so be it. That's how I love on the things that he loves. But every time I'm around him, I get like a, I get an idea that saves my organization $100,000. So it's worth it every single time. Yeah. So I'm just curious on, on how you actually, so you kind of talked about it. So, okay, Chris is really passionate about Highlands College. I can preach there for free. I mean, when you hear about that, do you actually just say, hey, Chris, I noticed you're really passionate about this. If there's anything I could do within the college, if you need me to, I mean, do you just have that conversation? I'm just curious on how versus just saying like, Hey, anything you need, I'll serve Like I tend to do that, but my heart is to do what you're doing, but I don't always find tactical ways to serve leaders that way. I'm just curious how you process that. Well, first off, uh, in order to have a good spiritual fathers, you have to learn how to be a good son and a good spiritual son always makes it easy for the father to father them. And I, like, for example, I'm always setting up hoops. People, people that want to want me to mentor them, I get that question every single week. And yet half the people who ask that question, they don't really want me to mentor them. They just, they, they just want me to pat them on the back and say, good job. Or like, I can't tell you how many times I used to, every single time somebody would ask me to mentor them, I'd be like, I, I was like, wow, I can't believe somebody wants me to mentor them. I was flattered. And then I would mentor them and they wouldn't apply a single piece of advice <laughs> to the exact opposite. And I noticed that I was wasting my time on a huge number of people. And the Lord started convicting me, Peter, you do not steward your life very well. And mm-hmm. you need to be way more picky. You need to make people jump through hoops more. And at first I thought that was just being mean. Um, and yet actually that's, that's good stewardship. And so now I know that uh, when I get, um, when, when a great leader tells me, I can't meet with you, you need to meet with my assistant, I don't get an attitude about it. I don't get depressed. I say, yes, sir. I am honored that I get to meet with your assistant's assistant because I don't get insulted anymore. I realize that's, that's what great leaders do. Or, or actually, you know what? I learned, I learned it from a, a kid in our church. He came up to me. I learned how to be mentored from a kid in my church, believe it or not, who came to men, who asked me to mentor him. And initially I, I said, bro, uh, you don't want me to mentor you. I'm actually uh, so unavailable. But 
And I, I told him to, you know, meet with my assistant's assistant. And I could tell he was depressed because he was like, you know, I connect with you, not with your assistant's assistant. And, 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 and you know, he kind of walked away depressed and I kind of walked away feeling like a jerk. But I knew I was obeying the Lord by being a good steward, uh, making a hoop for him to jump through. Well, a couple months later, he came back to me and he's like, hey, I've been meeting with your assistant assistant and it's awesome. Thank you so much for hooking me up. And I was like, you know, immediately I thought, you know, okay, he jumped through the hoop that that honors me. And then he said, hey, the Lord put it on my heart to just mow your lawn for free all summer. I don't know if you'd be comfortable with that. And I'm, I'm like, mow my lawn for free? all summer. And he's like, yeah, no strings attached. You don't have to talk to me or do anything. I'll show up. And, and I initially I was like, uh, well, I still need you to do a good job, right? Like it's gotta be quality. I can still fire you. Right. And he laughed and he's like, yeah, you can still fire me. And, um, he's like, but I'll do it for free. And, and sure enough, that dude showed up every single week, mowed my lawn. And of course I'd see him out there mowing my lawn and he was, I could see he was hot. He was thirsty. And so I'd invite him in the house to get a glass of water. And, and as he's drinking a glass of water, he's like, Pastor, real quick question for you. I, I have the opportunity to go to this internship or that internship. What do you think? And then, you know, it would be like a five-minute conversation. And I'd tell him what I thought. And boom, he was off. And, and uh, you know, just short little conversations, no obligation. And uh, by the end of the summer, I, I, I suddenly, the thought occurred to me, that dude got more of my time than half my staff did. Like, he's wow. brilliant. He, he literally, he used a servant strategy. He, he did something that was a win for me. And as a result, he ended up getting more mentoring. And I, I thought, I need to actually apply that to my mentoring. Like, and so I started going to the guys that I wanted to get mentoring, mentored by. And I just, first off, I just started spending money being around them. And then once I'm around them, I knew what they, what they loved, what, what would help them. Did you mow Brian Houston's lawn? I didn't mow his lawn. I wish I could have, but uh, you know, I I but I did speak at a con. I uh, one of the things that I'll do is I'll speak at conferences that I may or may not have time for, and I'll do it at my own dime. Uh, and so I've actually spoken at a lot of conferences that I never would have spoken at, or even done podcasts like this that I I may not have ever said yes to, uh, had it not been for one of my mentors saying, "Do this for my friend." And, um, and so to a certain degree, uh, th there's always a price for mentoring, but it's worth it. And, and so for Chris, it was more of an issue of, he was like, well, if, if you want me to mentor you, uh, you definitely have to, you have to make it easy for me by flying down to Birmingham twice a year. Hmm. And, um, and, and then secondarily, you got to do what I ask you to do if, if I, you know, if you're not applying any of the advice or you're going out there being an idiot on social media and you know what I mean? Like I, I realized that the more that I get mentored by Chris, the more people will associate me with him. He wrote the foreword to my book, uh, Broken Escalators. So to a certain degree, um, if I am an idiot, it reflects poorly on his reputation. So I realized that I've, I've also got to steward his influence as well, uh, which is also why he uh, needs me to be aware of, 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 his needs too. So it's always reciprocal. I, I, I've, I've got to be in, like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Uh, if a warrior is going to shoot me, so to speak, I'm the arrow. I've got to allow that warrior to ruffle my feathers and tell me to do things that I may or may not want to do. It's kind of like Naaman 
the, the story in the Bible, he had leprosy and um, the prophet of God made him meet with the assistant's assistant and told him to dip seven times in a dirty river. And he got upset about it. Like, that's not the advice that I want, but um, that's the advice he needed. And because he was willing to walk through um, some of those hoops, dipping seven times in a river, the Bible says he got healed. And I think the same thing is true about all mentoring. Um, so a lot of these guys, like Chris Hodges will say, I want you to mentor a lot of these guys in the ark for me. Uh, be out there giving phone calls to these guys and inconveniencing yourself, uh, helping people that you may not even want to help. And that's, I, I take pressure off of him by mentoring other people. And that's just one example. That's just one example. That's so good. Well, I appreciate everything you said today. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this podcast. I'll I'll just leave this really open-ended. Is there anything else you want to leave our audience with today? Uh, Just ask the mentoring questions, get around people that make you think bigger, listen to podcasts, expose your, expose your, yourself to, to, to people who are doing things on a higher level. And, um, I'm telling you, mentor other people and you reap what you sow because, you know, we all want access to opportunity, uh, but we don't want to be the ones creating opportunity for other people. And I I believe that uh, God can snap his fingers and open up doors for us. That's never been the problem. And he's looking for people who are are willing to be kingdom minded, build other people's platforms, build other people's lives. I I feel like my, my greatest fruit always grows on other people's trees. And at the end of the day, um, personal success is not what's fulfilled me. It's, it's watching the people around me succeed. Uh, even people like you, Doug, I want your podcast to thrive. I want, I want you to um, experience um, a higher level of fruitfulness. And, and so just being helpful to other people, that, that's kingdom-mindedness. And yet there's so many leaders out there. They're just, at, it's, it's all self-interest. Let me push my my social media, let me push my book, push my this, push my that. And I keep thinking, ugh, like you're, you're approaching it the wrong way. Focus on promotability. Let God take care of your promotion. That's so good. Well, hey, thank you again for your time. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our lightning round interview with Peter Haas. You can find ways to connect with him and links to everything that we discussed and a transcription of this interview in the show notes at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 203. As I mentioned, you can also listen to part one of the interview if you haven't already in episode 202, and I highly encourage you to do that. It is absolutely phenomenal. I want to thank our sponsor, Alex Tulandon. Alex is a full-time realtor with Kelly Williams Realty, and if you're looking to buy or sell a house in the Pittsburgh market, Alex is your guy. He is a member and a supporter of L3 Leadership, and he would love the opportunity to connect with you. To learn more about Alex and connect with him, you can go to pittsburghpropertyshowcase.com. I also want to thank our other sponsor, Henny Jewelers. They're a jeweler owned by my friend and mentor, John Henny. My wife, Laura, and I got our engagement and wedding rings through Henny Jewelers, and we just think they're an incredible company. Not only do they have great jewelry, but they also invest in people. In fact, they give every engaged couple a book to help them prepare for their marriage, and we just love that about them. So if you're in need of a good jeweler, check out hennyjewelers.com. As always, if you want to stay up to date with everything we're doing here at L3 Leadership, you can simply sign up for our email list at our website at l3leadership.org, and you'll start to get weekly emails updating you on everything that we're doing here. 
As always, I like to end with a quote, and Brian Houston said this. He said, your vision will only become your future if the decisions you are making and the sacrifices you are taking are in alignment with that vision. I love that. Thanks for listening and being a part of L3 Leadership. My wife, Laura, and I appreciate you so much, and we will talk to you next episode.